Hello, welcome to the Tent Makers Podcast, where uh, I am Stephen, and uh, Summit normally is with us, but uh, he did, he wasn't able to join us on this trip to Utah, therefore he's not on this episode, but uh, he was sick, so all will be well. But anyways, I have some special guests with, with me today, uh, some three You might want to make sure that he friends. doesn't have the coronavirus and like announce that to people so that they don't think he's that kind of sick. No, no, yeah, he doesn't have the coronavirus. Th- thanks, Erskine, for that. Yeah. He might, though. I haven't seen him, so <laughs> I haven't seen him in about a week. So it might be good to keep it another week. Prayers and well wishes. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, so I have. Uh, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself, starting with Tim. My name is Tim Hare, and what do you do, Tim? I am pastor of Black Gum First Baptist Church. And before we get going, sorry, I just got to clarify. I, I really appreciate the credit that these guys gave to me in uh, their last previous two episodes about the gospel and a great summation of the gospel being Jesus in my place. Uh, but, but I got to deflect the credit to uh, the president of the SBC, uh, J.D. Greer, is who I stole that from. So mm. appreciate the credit, but need to deflect it to where it's due. He probably got it from somewhere else himself. Yeah. But <laughs> Isn't anyway. that what all pastors so, do? Yes, like, but yes, Tim Hare. The unwritten rule. All right. <laughs> Troy, tell all us about yourself. Borrow. So my name is Troy Walker. Uh, I'm one of the pastors of Redeemer Orem in uh, Orem, Utah. Um, working among the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and sharing the gospel here. Cool. Awesome. Erskine? Now, are you allowed to say that you're working among the LDS yeah. Church? Yeah, I'm pretty open about it. Well, okay. I, didn't, I just wanted to make sure security wasn't an issue, and then I wanted to also make sure that it didn't come off sounding like you work. In the oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints or Mormons or anything. I'm not high profile enough to okay. to get in trouble over this. I, yeah, I didn't know. Anyway, my name is Erskine. I'm a singer songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee, and I think I got on this podcast because I like pastors. I'm, yeah, I'm not a pastor, but I like pastors. Yeah, that's you can say that. They're my favorite kind of people. <laughs> I don't yeah. write songs about pastors, but they are. I gotta say, I'm feeling a little out of place here. I said I'm definitely the least qualified at this table. Tent makers, legendary church planner, nope. legendary. and singer songwriter <laughs> from Nashville. Definitely not legendary. <laughs> I, I feel out of place. I'm the only one here not from Texas. So yeah, fair enough. You are out of place. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, you have identified yourself as being out of place. Texas, yeah, Texas, the state of Texas has taken over. The, yeah, that's, uh, yep. oh that's the gosh. biggest gap in all of this. <laughs> yes. All the other ones we can bridge some kind of way, but that's that's the a Texas gap. thing. Pray for me, guys. Anyways, so Erskine is a singer songwriter, and uh, uh, this episode is or this series is probably going to end up being a couple episodes. So uh, as of right now. We're going to play some of Erskine's music. We're going to have a clip here and a clip in the next episode. And uh, so, yeah, enjoy. Check it out. But I've tried and failed. And I've been derailed. From dust you picked me up and now I know. That was Erskine, and you can say your last name because that's question number one. Erskine, what is your last name? Anna Vitarte. 
Anavitarte. Anavitarte. Exactly how it's spelled out. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, just a little bit of, of uh, some more background. We have, again, two pastors and a singer-songwriter, but Erskine is, is really well-versed so in the, title of in a the song. church. <laughs> the title of a song? Or a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Spin-off, spin-off podcast. Spin-off podcast. Sad country music. <laughs> so, two, two pastors and a songwriter. Oh, no. Like, Just struggling. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of joke about that. Somewhere. I don't know. Anyways, jumping in. We're planning into, on getting through this in less than an hour. Yeah, maybe. We'll try. We'll see what happens. This is how we stretch into three it's episodes not, for them. Yeah. yeah. So, let, let's just dive right in. Defining terms, church versus the church. The local church and the universal church is kind of where we're going here. So, whoever wants to take off with that, go for it. What's the difference between the local church and the universal church? Okay, well, um, the church, uh, with a capital C, as I see, would be obviously the universal church, which would encompass uh, every believer from all times, believers who have put their faith in Christ, who believe the gospel. And so they can come from uh, many denominations. Uh, you can be Lutheran or Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist uh, and be a part of the universal church. And so uh, the Bible speaks a little bit about the universal church, but it primarily addresses the local church, which would be um, the body of Christ that members have joined themselves or in my, pay, my case at Blackham, they've covenanted together um, within uh, as, as a body of local believers in a specific area. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to follow that up. Like, <laughs> I think it's a pretty good summation. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to, to have that distinction and also to recognize there's not a huge difference between the local body, the local, uh, you know, small C church and the capital C universal church in fellowship and community where, you know, on Sunday morning you might meet with your small C church, but I think it's important to remember your place is not primarily with the small C church, but it's, it's really within the larger body of believers and how you're furthering God's kingdom and growing God's kingdom, um, in the universal church. That's why you guys have come here to Utah to, to, mm-hmm. to further not Black Gum Baptist right. Church, not uh, the church you go to in Nashville, but to further God's kingdom um, in the, the universal church. Yeah, let, let me say, uh, you know, as a songwriter, um, it kind of seems that I might be a little bit out of place here uh, on the panel today, but I spent over a decade in pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. and so a lot of my friends, associates, ministerial um, partners, are those who preach the gospel. And I like to look at my ministry as almost being a parachurch kind of ministry in mm-hmm. which I come alongside churches to try to strengthen their ministries and give them another tool they could use to either evangelize or disciple. And uh, so I see that as being a part of the, the universal church, that coming alongside of a local church or coming a song alongside of um, a more local ministry and being able to strengthen that. Paul and his uh, farewell to the Ephesus uh, in the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, 
which he obtained with his blood. And I think the only thing that I would want to add to what has already been said, and it's already been said, but it's an identifying marker of those in whom Christ has set aside, those in whom, as the scriptures will declare, uh, the foundation has been built upon the prophets and apostles. Um, and so there is a structure to the church. There is a, an organic um, cornerstone, I guess you will, in Christ who establishes the church and establishes the workers who are within the church and causes that to be a primary emphasis. Even as you see um, Jesus say things in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and the parallel between the two of those things, the kingdom, the church, and how that expression universally grows, um, both locally and universally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my question for you guys would be, is, is, is the local church or is the universal church more important? If so, are, how are they? How is one more important than the other? Or if they're not, then they're just not. I mean... Or how are they not? Like, are, are they equal? Is one more than the other? What are we looking at here? Uh, well, I'd, I'd say, obviously, the first step in uh, someone's spiritual journey or, or as they accept Christ is they become a part of the universal church. And so uh, you could make an, a case that that is the most important step that they profess faith in Christ. Uh, but I think in a, an immediate... Thing that has to follow up that that um, obviously it's joining a church is is not does not save you uh, but but in walking in obedience one of those very first steps uh, is finding a community of faith in which they are able to grow in which they're able to learn God's word uh, to to um, join themselves uh, with a uh, a, a group of believers that can invest in them, disciple them, where they hear the word preached. Uh, and so, so yes, I, I'd say universal church, in a sense, is more important because that is where true faith, once they profess, then they're in that. But uh, I don't want to necessarily put it as universal versus local uh, but that universal should lead immediately to someone joining a local church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think you can separate them in any meaningful way because the, the local body is just an arm of the universal church, so you can't say one's more important. Right. But practically speaking, yeah. you know, you can't... I mean, Hebrews 10, 25, well, I'll start in 24 and go through 25, says... And let us consider how to stir one up, uh, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so I think it's easy um, to uh, overemphasize the universal church and say, "Oh, I don't have to go to my local body. You know, I can worship God in my house." So we don't want to go too far in that direction either. Right. And and. I've experienced a lot of this practically as a, as a pastor uh, because so often you hear somebody say, well, I love Jesus. I just don't love his church. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's like somebody telling me, I like you. I just don't like your wife. Mm. Like, that's not okay. Uh, so so is, is the local church perfect? Is the bride of Christ perfect? No, it's mm -hmm. not. Uh, but Jesus commands us to join with the local church. He's, he's, he's given the church, in a sense, 
a vehicle in which the gospel is is sent into the nations. And so someone that's refusing uh, to, to, to be a part of a church, uh, then I'm going to question whether or not they actually truly understand the gospel. Absolutely. And there's a, a tag that I would want to put on to this discussion is there's so many people who are looking for how how can I serve the Lord? How and how and what am I supposed to be doing with this life that God has given me, this life in Christ, this this regeneration, this newness of life? And I'll often tell people who make that statement that, you know, they love Jesus, they just don't appreciate the church, that they just don't want to be involved with the church, that there's no way really to evaluate your gifts. There's yeah. no place for you to plug in and to serve other people right. unless you're connected with the local church. Yeah. Uh, and it's very interesting that there's a, a large sentiment that wants to appreciate the teachings of Christ except at that point, right. at that level, <laughs> right. and to that degree. And so it's always one of those things that draws in accountability, it draws in discipleship, and it factors into how we find our way into serving the Lord in a way that is appropriate for all of us. Yeah. Hmm. And, I, and I would say even that, you know, someone comes to faith in Christ, the next step is obedience to to Christ in following in, in believers baptism and if I'm baptizing someone generally that baptism and membership go together mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and so there's that's why there's some I think just some there's there's a danger when people are just out there maybe leading people to Christ but then just dropping them and mm-hmm. and and there's a there's a there's a disjunct mm-hmm. there, there's there has to be a place like you said where where they can grow. They can know what their place in the body of Christ is. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, anyway, yeah. You're going for it. All right. No, that's good. That, that's great. So, so Are you going to ask any more questions on this episode? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Let me give you a hypothetical. Um, let's say you're, you're talking to somebody who was heavily involved in the local church at one point, but ended up getting hurt in some way, form, or fashion. Um, we all know somebody that has, but, but they have given up on going to church, but they claim to watch church from home due to the trauma of whatever happened. What would your uh, response to them be to encourage them to get back into the local church? So I think the first thing is that the church is a safe place, ideally. You know, obviously there's, you know, trauma happens in the church sometimes, hurt happens in the church. Um, I think I'd encourage them to reach out to the pastor in their area or maybe another believer that they trust um, because, I mean, if God has overcome the sin in our life and gone through the trauma that, you know, our rebellion, if we want to keep using that word, or to the trauma that our rebellion has done towards him, or then we can overcome the trauma that we do to one another. Um, and then that makes such, such a beautiful picture, right? Like for the reconciliation from believer to believer, from brother to brother, sister to sister, whatever that looks like, I mean, that is showing the nations the work of Christ in our lives when we can come back together even after we've hurt one another. Yeah. I think, too, I'd have to just know what the situation was. Why was the person hurt? Were they hurt Mm -hmm. because it was a, you know, are are they upset at the church because it was a theological thing in which the church was doing something that was unbiblical or heretical? Uh, or was it they got hurt because, you know, somebody made a comment that they didn't like their mom's fried chicken recipe that they made at the potluck? <laughs> you know, 
there's there's a spectrum different levels and, yeah and so depending on how on how that should be addressed and so i think depending on what the situation is uh but if it's if it's a hurt if someone is just hurt then then yes i think you know there's there's the parable of the unforgiving servant of of we have big been forgiven so much uh, by what Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. How can Mm -hmm. we not be quick to forgive? Mm -hmm. And so using that time as a pastor to just remind them of the gospel, remind them, that's what Troy was saying, remind them of what what he has done and and, and, um, pray that they can work through that. Yeah, and that reminds me again of what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that if we are not willing to forgive others, then we make light of the fact that we have been forgiven much, which harkens back to what you were just talking about there. But I've met a lot of people in my journeys and travels that have had some kind of issue with the church. And, you know, you find them in some of the places that I play where there's bars, there's clubs, there's people who are kind of outliers. And they may approach me because I'm playing a song and it reminds them of a time when they used to go to church. And, you know, my, my emphasis is always to try to point them back to uh, not just a time, but to a place, and that is the church, that they can be involved and they can begin to have that accountability and fellowship mm-hmm. that they need. And as they walk through crisis in their lives, and all of us do, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. As they walk through those crisis moments of life, to have some place that they're connected, that they're rooted, and that they're known, and that they can be known. And so that's, that's always important point people back to mm-hmm. the church who have had those issues of hurt mm, right yeah i'd agree with all that <laughs> it all makes sense uh tim you mentioned something about baptism earlier uh so so what's the connection between baptism and church membership well i i think i just when when you see in the new testament um and 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 the the the, the mind the 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 stories that come to mind is is uh, I believe it's Acts 16 and you have these um, three individuals uh, or three groups of people that they're in Philippi and uh, you have you have Lydia and you have the slave girl and you have the uh, Philippian jailer um, and especially the Philippian jailer how he, this this incredible way in which God had had delivered Paul and had the freedom to go and didn't and uh, he comes running to save the jailer from taking his life, and and he professes Christ and is immediately baptized, and then and then what you see is that immediately following that there is a church that forms, hmm. um, and 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 so I think the 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 what we see in the New Testament is when people are baptized and they've and they've 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 come to an understanding of the gospel, uh, they are and there, there's a the next step of, of obedience um, from baptism is joining the church. And, and, and I think the, the, for me as a pastor, baptism and membership should be synonymous as most of the time. There's obviously mm-hmm. some exceptions. You can go to the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, but those are some very specific situations um, that, that you might come across occasionally, but generally I think you want to you, those should be nearly synonymous things of baptism uh, and, and church membership. And again, you're looking at the Great Commission, and you're saying as a part of the disciple-making mandate that we are going and baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, it says that we are all children of God through faith. And so we know that that faith 
expressing itself and working itself not as the root but as the fruit of our salvation is to follow in obedience in baptism so when Tim is making this connection between entry into the church and being a part of the visible body of, of Christ and being in Christ um, that's an important distinction to make and that's a strong way of understanding our union with Christ and then our union with the body of believers mm-hmm. who have all come through the same access point of Christ and are all identified in that body as members through baptism. You know, we have an interesting situation in our family because um, we're kind of in that in-between period in the way that our church is, and I think wisely tried to guard and emphasize what baptism is in terms of an entry point for the church. My son, who's 12 years old, has professed faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, that justifies and secures his eternal destiny now in reference to membership and following in obedience and baptism he still does not take the lord's supper because our church wants to make sure that he visibly has demonstrated and proclaimed to the world baptism mm-hmm. being that symbol by which we're proclaiming to the world mm-hmm. our identity in christ um, he's done that privately but it is a public demonstration of our union with mm-hmm. christ and so when he does that, then all of those things will then follow the rights and privileges of being a part of the body of Christ. And I know I'm taking a long time for this no, answer. You're good. Sorry you're good. about this. No, you're fine. But on the other side of that, that identifying marker to the body of Christ shows the body of Christ, one, he has made a profession of faith in Christ and he's identified with us. But two, on our end, we are saying of ourselves that we are going to be responsible for what it is that he has done mm-hmm. yeah. because now we are in lockstep, we're in membership together within the body of Christ. And mm-hmm. so we now know that we have a responsibility to help that young man to follow through in his discipleship of Christ. And I love that picture because there's two dual purposes there, one for the person being baptized the and then for the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. I mean, there's not much more I can say, but I do want to... I do want to pull out something, not that you guys didn't say it, but just to, to reemphasize um, one distinction, uh, just coming from you know, the culture here in Utah, that baptism isn't salvific. You know, mm-hmm. where those in the, yeah, the LDS church will, will say, no, y'all, y'all said it. It's not, it's not that you didn't, but I needed something to say. But we need to always so, keep saying that over um, and over again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, rather than it being salvific, it, baptism is, I'd say, the first fruit or the first showing of salvation, mm-hmm. you know, where once you're, you know, like we have people who, you know, are coming out of an LDS background and they say, look, I can, I'll agree with everything that you guys say. I agree with your doctrine. You know, I'll even can get hop on board with the Trinity. Maybe I don't totally, you know, know where I'm at, but generally speaking, I'm okay with it. I could accept it. Um, we say, okay. Do you want to get baptized? And their response is, well, I don't know yet. I don't know if I'm ready to make that public profession. Mm-hmm. And so then that says to us, well, they're not saved. You know, they're not willing to truly follow Christ. Because as soon as it gets hard, as soon yeah. as they're, they're called to make something public, they're taking a step back like, I don't know about this. Yeah. And it's and not I, a true faith yet. Yeah, and I think for, if baptism uh, and a lot of times in our culture is not as Im- important as it is in other parts of the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, Erickson, you've been to India, you've been to parts in Africa, uh, especially if you're in an area where, where you're a Muslim. 
Uh, there's a there's a private confession of faith, but when they are publicly baptized, mm-hmm. there is yeah. a sense in which they are saying, "I am dead to every single aspect of my life, of my my Islamic upbringing. My family will disown me." And and when they make that public, th- at that point, that's when they start receiving death threats. Yeah. Um, and now again, it's not that they, they were previously saved, and this is a step of obedience. But that public profession is such a big deal mm-hmm. in 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 believers' lives in other parts of the world. Uh, and then one other thing before I forget, uh, one of the reasons why I think that there's there, we see we see this we see this connection of baptism to church membership. Uh, this would be why a reason why I would caution against. Um, spontaneous baptisms at a church camp mm. mm-hmm. uh, yep. where it's apart from the body of Christ because like Erskine said there's a dual part mm-hmm. and so when it's just you know kind of a private baptism ceremony uh, at a lake at a camp or whatever um, I won't say that they're necessarily in sin for doing that uh, but I think there's something that, that that's missed when that is done apart from the body of Christ uh, in a in a separate gathering, and it needs it needs if if at all costs. Obviously, there's there's there can be certain circumstances on, on the mission field that I understand can be um, exceptions, but generally we want to tie that into the the, the whole local body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, making that statement in declaration to the world, it's a sermon, a visible sermon that is being preached mm-hmm. to the world around you, and so there's so many aspects that are important. I know in our church, just to make it really practical, there have been times when other younger kids have gone forward in baptism. And it's been a catalyst for discussion and mm-hmm. a catalyst to prompt others who are kind of in that in-between stage where they're thinking, yeah, I want to follow Christ, but that looks scary to be baptized. Yeah. Or that, you know, why would they do that? Just a, a number of questions get answered when you see a, a biblical yeah baptism my, yeah. take place. My four-year-old daughter starts asking questions every mm-hmm. time I, I have the opportunity to baptize someone in my church. Like, yeah. And it's a joy of being a father when they, she sees that and she's like, well, what, what do I need to do to be baptized? Like my four-year-old daughter's been asking that, awesome. sure. you know, when she sees those. And it, you know, so totally agree. Yeah. Great. We are approaching uh, the 30-ish minute mark. So the halfway uh, point. We're ha- halfway time. point. Half time. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to close out this episode. And uh, thank you guys for joining. Be looking for part two of this episode coming soon. Go get some Doritos. <laughs> this message was brought to you by. <laughs> that, that was three questions. Three questions.